Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. They appeared to be part of the body, but they weren't. They were at church, they were at the gathering, they were in the meeting, they were even serving Matthew chapter 7, but they weren't saved. We just want to make sure that we're not that group. We're not a part of those that, man, I'm there, I'm with them, I look like them, I talk like them, I sing like them, I dress like them. If there's a dress for us, but I'm not one of them. We want to make sure that the faith is for real, that our relationship with the Lord is genuine because someone that's really saved ain't falling away. You might fall down, but you will get back up and dust off and clean up and you'll get right back, but you won't depart from the faith. Do you know Jesus personally? It's not about going to church or doing good things. Do you obey Jesus? Today, Pastor Bill declares that there is no other truth than Jesus. Jesus said that he's not only the way to God, but the truth. Where else can we go to get forgiveness? Nowhere. Where else can we go to experience peace? Nowhere. Where else can we go to find mercy? Nowhere. Jesus is our refuge in troubled times. He's waiting for us with open arms. Let's take time right now and embrace him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 for today's edition of The Transforming Word. You guys know in the original, when, the, when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, there was no chapter and verses, so it was a letter. So the thoughts just kind of flow. We break up chapter and verse for our record so we could recall it, memorize it, find it. Uh, but it wasn't originally there. And so the thought of the end of chapter three flows right into what he begins to say in chapter four. So I want you to look backwards at chapter three, verse 16, just the, the last verse there. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. And we know that Jesus came in the flesh. God, you know, Jesus, Jesus was God in the flesh. He came to earth in the form of a man justified in the spirit. Uh, there was no sin in him. He was absolutely righteous, holy. He was seen by the angels. He was preached among the Gentiles, the non-believers. He was believed on in the world and he ascended back into heaven. He was received back up into glory. And as we come to chapter four and he begins to talk about people falling away from the Lord, I, I got to point this out because in every, and he's going to speak about false teachers and cult groups Every false teacher, every cult group, every every religious organization that would lead you away from Jesus. You can go back to this 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 mystery of godliness and you'll find something there that they're not aligning themselves with. They believe in a Jesus, but it wasn't God in the flesh. It was just a man, a prophet. That's most cults. That's that's right. What you know, right up front. They they can't they can't take Jesus out of history. So they just diminish him from his position as God. The Mormons do it. Jehovah's Witnesses do it. Many of the cult groups, they, they'll, they'll speak your language. They'll speak the same terms that you use. You, you might even be confused. Like they, I think they're Christian too because they use all the same terminology you. They just don't mean the same thing. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do believe in Jesus. Well, they're Christians too. Just their Jesus is not God. Their Jesus is not God in the flesh. Their Jesus is a man, a prophet, a brother of Lucifer for the Mormons. Uh, but he's not God in the flesh. He's not the, the second person of the Trinity. And so we just want to be aware of that. And um, I want to do a good job for us. Uh, one of the things I, I, I want to make sure is as, as God allows me to do what I do as a pastor. I want to make sure that there are Christians out there that they they just haven't been taught. They don't know better and they get wrapped up in cults. And when people come, there are the alarms don't go off saying that's not right. That's not right because they haven't been taught. 
it's I want so bad. I want I would in the deepest part of my soul. I want to do a good job with this, that that when some false teacher comes your way, when some false religious group comes, when something wacky is on TV, when you walk into something that's not right. I, I want us to be a people that can discern and say that's not right. At the very same time, when we walk into something that's right on, uh, I want us to be a people that our spirit can bear witness that this is right on. This is this is this is, this is honor God. And so in order to do that, we got to know the truth. We have to be firmly established in the truth. And so as Paul's building up this young man, Timothy, for a life of ministry and service, he's saying this is so important. Great is the mystery. Jesus Christ, God came in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels. He was a priest among the Gentiles and the non-believers. He was believed on in the world and he was received up. He was taken back up into glory. He ascended back up into heaven. And now look at chapter four, verse one, because it follows right with the thought. He says, now. The spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So. Following that thought of what he just said, great is the mystery of God and all those things, he says, now the time is going to come. He says, now the spirit expressly says, that's an emphatic statement. He says, the spirit is emphatically saying that in latter, the time is coming, Timothy, when people are going to depart from the faith. This is important. Why would you tell a minister that, right? God's calling me to minister. Paul's building me up for ministry. And he's being, Timothy's being told right up front, just know this in advance, Timothy, the time is going to come where people are going to depart from the faith. So when it happens, don't be discouraged. Don't change your message. Don't try to catch them. Just know right up front, the ministry God is calling you to, a time is coming where people are going to depart from that, going after something else. And so we have to be careful about that as a church, that sometimes we may look at something false and it's just banging. It's like, man, it's, maybe, maybe we need some of that. Um, sometimes you, know, you look at some of the false things and they seem to, they look, they're thriving. And Paul says, Timothy, no, right up front in the latter times. What does that latter mean? It's not it doesn't mean the end times at a future date. There's a time coming where people are going to depart. They're just going to go away from the truth. They're going to depart away from the faith. He goes on to tell us why. But I, I wanted to talk about that for just a minute. When it says that they're going to depart, that means they're going to leave the faith. Um, one question that some people are, well, were they really in the faith in the beginning? Right. Can someone that's really born again depart from God? Or uh, how does that, well, you know, how do we, how do we discern that, right? Somebody that maybe you knew and they were in church for a while and they looked like they were doing good. And they were going to church, going to Bible study, maybe even sharing their faith. And then all of a sudden they just depart. And to depart doesn't mean they just stopped going to church. They departed from the faith. I no longer believe that. I don't longer agree with that. Now I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I believe this instead. I've departed from the faith. The Bible says that the time is coming when that's going to be happening. Right. How does that end up happening? I believe with all of my heart and I'm going to give you some scriptures to qualify it. Anybody that departs from the faith was not really ever in the faith because the Bible shows us instances where people were you know, seeming they appeared to be part of the body, but they weren't. They were at church. They were at the gathering. They were in the meeting. They were even serving Matthew chapter seven, but they weren't saved. We just want to make sure that we're not that group. We're not a part of those. that man, I'm there. I'm with them. I look like them. I talk like them. I sing like them. I dress like them. If there's a dress for us, but I'm not one of them. We want to make sure that the faith is for real, that our relationship with the Lord is genuine. 
Because someone that's really saved ain't falling away. You might fall down, but you will get back up and dust off and clean up and you'll get right back. But you won't depart from the faith. Every Christian here, everybody walking with the Lord, you done tripped and fall and you might have skinned your knee and, you know, got mud on your mouth. But you get back up. You just, there's nowhere else to go. You conclude after falling and fumbling that there is nothing else. There's no other truth. There's no other way to go. So I come right back to Jesus and humble myself and I start over. There's nothing else. There's no other truth. There's no other God. There's no other way to get to heaven. So you end up right back here. You fall down and fall away. Then it's like, did you ever, were you convinced? Were you ever convinced that Jesus, we, we need to be so convinced, you guys, there is no other way. Jesus is the only Savior. That, that we can't live without him. That we can't, we don't want to die without him. We need to be so convinced of that. More convinced of that than anything else. And so when it says, again, that in the latter times, there are going to be some that depart from the faith. I want to just give you some verses. Write them down in your notes, please. Write down John 666, chapter 6, verse 66. <laughs> I know, that always tripped me out. John 666. Oh, so in John chapter 6, verse 66, there were a group of people, a large group, as a matter of fact, that were following Jesus. They were even calling themselves disciples. And then as Jesus began teaching some difficult things about his body and his blood that they didn't understand, it says in John chapter 6, verse 66, that at that time, many of his disciples went away and they didn't follow him anymore. And so at that time, because they heard some things that were difficult, they heard some things from Jesus that they said, I don't agree with that. It says from that time, John chapter 6, verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and it says they walked with him no more. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and said, you guys, you also want to go away? But my boy, Peter, this is my favorite, my favorite disciple. Peter looked at him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter said, Lord, I don't. Now, Peter didn't understand what he was talking about either. But Peter said, look, where are we going to go? I don't get it. I this eating flesh and drinking blood thing. I don't get it either, Lord. But where else are we going to go? I have come to believe and to know that you're the Christ the son of the living God. And that's where we need to be. Absolutely convinced in our hearts, convinced in our mind. But in John chapter 6, verse 66, there was a large group of people that had been following, had been disciples, followers of Christ, that they went back to follow him no more. Those are not true believers. Write down Luke chapter 8, verse 13. And I'll just reference it in Luke chapter uh, 8, verse 13. It's the parable of the sower. And the sower sowed some seed on the stony ground. And it says that it, it, it took root initially. It, it looked like it was going to grow. But then when the heat came, um, when temptation came, it, it didn't make it. It didn't make it. it. It fell on stony ground. It just didn't. It looked like initially it looked like there was something there. It looked like there was some life. It looked like there was a, a change and a transformation. But upon further inspection, uh, it didn't make it. And I just want to read that to you real quick. Luke chapter eight, verse 13. Here it goes. It says, but, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they receive the word with joy, uh, these have no root. And they believe for a little while, and in the time of temptation, they fall away. And so they, they were looking like they were saved for a little while, but in the time of temptation, it says they fall away. Um, they weren't ever really saved in, in the first place. The last one is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says this. Speaking of those that walk away from the Lord, it says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. 
And that's kind of wordy, but basically what John is saying is, look, the fact that they left was evidence they were never really with us in the first place. Because if you're really with the Lord, you can't leave. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. You can't go. If you try to go, you're going to get brought back. You're going to be convicted. You're going to get spanked and disciplined, but you will find your way back. The fact that they left, John said, they were never really of us in the first place. And so as we come back to John, I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 4, I, I wanted to make that point that those that go away were never really saved in the first place because... It says in the latter times, that's going to be happening. People are going to be departing, turning away, leaving the faith. But understand that the people that can walk away from the faith were never really of the faith in the first place. And so what we want to do is twofold. Why is Paul telling Timothy this? I believe right up front, Timothy, so you won't be discouraged when you see them falling away. You won't be discouraged when you keep teaching the truth and you see that, man, people are going after other things. They're, they're not they're not staying for this also. That as a pastor, as a teacher, you would you would you would build your people up. You would teach them the truth that they wouldn't fall victim to this. Now we're going to look at some of the, the the things that people were falling victim to in Timothy's day. It says they're going to be giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. We need to know this behind all false teaching. It's never innocent. It's never on accident. When there's false teaching. There's something behind it. It's a, it says deceiving, giving, they're giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines, teachings of demons. That, that their demons have their own doctrines and they found men that can communicate those things. And it says people are giving heed to those things, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I was praying that through and considering our day and what that might look like. In this day for this group here, it was a, a doctrine called Gnosticism. That was uh, people were being taken away and that was something that was going around and it was diminishing the person of Jesus to to, to something less than what he was and all of that. But in our day, it's very different. You know, I, I think that there are some doctrines and some teachings that are common and popular. I think they're demonically inspired. Um, one thing you have to know about the demonic realm. How long have the demons been demons? You guys for long before you've been here, they've been demons for a long time. Satan fall before Adam and Eve dropped. So. They've been around for a long time in their fallen condition. How long have they been studying human beings? Forever. They know our weaknesses. So one of the greatest deceiving, just a, I guess, doctrines and things that I see today is where within the church, you could have a whole church and they, they move away. They really don't teach the Bible. They move away from teaching people to repent of sin, to die to self, that things are wrong and th there, there are certain things that are not okay with God, that all gets diminished and put off the table. And it's like, you know what? Because demons know that we love, we just, want, we just want to feel good about ourselves. And there's a whole slew of churches where that's just what they'll do. They're not going to tell you to stop sinning. You can come to that church and be living with your boyfriend, girlfriend, fornicating, and you could be smoking weed and crack. Um, you could be stealing and cheating on your taxes. You could be doing whatever you're doing. You will not be convicted there. You're going to go there and it's like, you're, you're, you know, you're be told you're a good person and just do good and smile and give a hug and a kiss and a high five for Jesus and, and whatever. It's just, uh, it's just weak. And people leave out feeling so good. I love that church. Yeah. Yeah. Going on their way to hell, deceiving doctors of demons, but it has, it's churches that, that are doing that. Why do they, why do they thrive? Because people like that. There's a whole movement. I hate it in our community. The whole the whole the word of faith, the, the prosperity gospel. I hate it because we greedy Americans and y'all all know we are. Everybody here in your fallen condition, you're greedy. We want more than we deserve. We want stuff that we don't need. 
And so there's a whole doctrine now saying, you know what? If you come to God, you can have anything you want. You can be rich. God wants you to be rich. For real? I got a cold. God wants you to be healthy. What? Word? No cancer? Rich? I'm in. You know, I'm up in there. And, and, and then they, they take the whole word of God and everything becomes about how you can get what you want. You should give more, right? So that you can get more. That's wrong. Even if you give that way, you've now given, it's like they robbed you twice. If I exhort you to give more, you need to give more for God's purpose, for God's, if you give more so that I can get more, I believe that you've even given in a way that God won't even honor. You got robbed twice. Um, so now you gave me, I sold a seed. I'm looking for tenfold. I saw, and I, I, I don't, I, I, this may be one of the worst things I saw. Uh, it was a New Year's thing, and it was um, who was it? It was it was Rob Parsley, and I had never heard this one before. But I mean, I've heard all these different things over the years. You know, you sow a they tell you a specific amount. You sow this seed, but he went as far as to say it's this, it's a window right now. Only through his broadcast, only God had given him a special word that if you gave this amount right now, call in right now. This window, you got to do it, but then this time right now. That God was going and he was specific about how much God was going. To, and I just thought, how many people, and you can see how many people are calling. And they're, they're, it's like making a financial, I'm like, I'm gambling on God. He said, if I give him this much, that God's going to give me that much and I'm going to have it this year. And I got to hurry up and do it before, before it's too late. This is my, my new year giving thing. And I'm just looking and thinking, man, it's somebody at home that really, that really wants God. That really needs Jesus. And that's what they're getting. And but you know what? It, 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 it's the demons know us. The reason that those doctrines work is because of us. It's because it's because there are people looking at TV saying, I, I could use that money. <laughs> I could give me some more stuff, you know, and I mean, that's why those doctrines work. I mean, because people haven't read their Bible. Um, you read your Bible and you'll know that. And we're going to see it as we go through Timothy. Um, God says, man, if you, as, as a good minister, I can't encourage you to covet if I be a bad minister, if I if I encourage you guys to be greedy for more stuff, you know what I'm supposed to encourage you to do? To want more of Jesus, that you would want more of God, that I'd make you thirsty for God. That's my job. If you leave here and you're like, man, I, I want a binge now because the pastor said I'm supposed to have a binge. I'm a failure as a pastor. If you leave here saying, I just want to be closer to God. I'm going to spend time in my word and be in prayer. I just want to be close that I'm doing my job. That is the goal of these gatherings that we would fall in love with Jesus. Right. That 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 is true riches to have Christ, that that money cannot buy what he gives. And so but they're selling this stuff because people are buying it. So you make sure that you're not on the, the, the receiving end of it or the giving end of it. So it says uh, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. You just need to understand, because this is what I used to ask myself. Are those men malicious in what they're preaching? Um, it, are they, is, is it on purpose? Have they been deceived and now they're deceiving others? And so they're kind of a victim that's making victims are, are they themselves responsible for what they're doing? And I, I, I've come to this conclusion. They're guilty. However, they got the information because the Bible says not don't be, let there don't be many teachers knowing that you will receive the stricter judgment. When you put yourself in a position of speaking on God's behalf, you need to take that heavily. Don't lie. If I tell you something, God says it is not true. I lied on God. That can never be diminished. That's a big deal. Um, I don't get to rewrite this book. I got to just tell you what it says. 
And I don't get to speak in the name of God and say, God wants this for you. if It's not something he said he wants for you. So anybody doing that, um, they're, they're wrong. I admit, they may have been deceived initially, uh, but there is a point, too, where I'm res- as much as you're responsible on your own as a Christian to know the Bible, to read it, to study it, to pray it through. If I'm a teacher, I'm responsible to, to pay attention. So maybe I've been taught something wrong for years. But now as I study for myself because I'm teaching, I find that this is what it really means. And so I'm, I'm correcting as I go. Um, they're guilty. And it says here that these these these, these false doctrines, they're called the doctrines of demons. That's scary to me. That there's doctrine being taught by pastors that comes from demons. So then we do need to be discerning that we're not just listening to everybody that says I'm a bishop, a pastor or whatever. Um, we need to pray. Write down 1 John 4, 1. 1 John 4, 1. Um, they said, man, you need to test every spirit. T- test it. Why? Um, don't just receive it. Don't just believe it. Don't just, don't just believe the best. Say, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. This is the thing with that. Right. If I test it, it'll be proven right or wrong. Then I can receive it afterwards. But it says, don't just believe everything. Test it first. Make sure it's from the Lord. And when you know it's from the Lord, then you receive it. You know, Paul called a group of Christians Bereans. Paul, the apostle, went in and taught and they heard him and they said, we're going to go check this out. When you leave, Paul, we're going to go check it out for ourselves. And Paul said, hey, I like that. Paul wasn't offended. He didn't say, how dare you? I'm the apostle Paul. You got to double check me. Paul said. The, he said he said they're notable. They're better than the places I've been before because they after I left, they went to check it for themselves. And that's how we remember the Bereans. That I, Paul, we heard you. We gave you our attention. We took good notes. We heard every word you said. And when you leave, we're going to go back and check it out. Make sure it's right. That's what we're supposed to do. That's that's how we make sure we don't get messed up. Some Christians are just lazy. They go to church. They don't pick up their Bible. I'll be seeing cars and you see a Bible on the dashboard. And that's probably where it lives. From Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning, so I don't forget it because I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not rolling with it. It's just in my car, in my dash, and it's all sunburnt, and it looks like it's getting well used and it's in the dash all the time. But that's it. It just and it go right back in the dash and it'll be there until next Sunday, and that's it. They don't do no homework. They don't pray it through. I'm saying that's why we do the Bible challenge. That's why it's a challenge uh, because every year we do it. I'm telling you, I, I, I pastor here. I talk to y'all. Every year we do it. People start off, I'm going to do it. And about three months in, that's just not how I don't receive like that. No, you lazy. Well, I just, I just got to, I just, you know, for me, I just get more out of it than do that too. But people will come up with 20 reasons why they can't spend 30 minutes doing a Bible challenge. I ain't hearing it. Do it every day. Do it every, you, there's some things that if, if they mean, if, if, if it's, if it matters to you, you'll do it every day. If, if you feel like it would be beneficial, there are things that you'll do every day. If you, could, if you got paid $100 to complete the Bible challenge every day, you would do it every day, no question. <laughs> I need gas. Let me do that thing real fast. You know, you, you will get it done every day. So when someone, I can't do it. No, no, no. You, you, you're lazy or you're not willing to do it. Don't say I can't do it. You can do it. You can make it happen. You go in the bathroom and shut the door and get it done. It don't take that long. I do it every day. Uh, I do it once and then I go back and do it more seriously. I pick something that really spoke to me and I go back and I'm now I'm going to settle on that. I'm going to study this one. I'm going to mark my Bible on this one or whatever. So that's how we make sure we don't get wrapped up in this stuff. But we got to keep it moving. So verse two now says speaking lies, speaking about these false teachers, they're speaking lies in hypocrisy. One thing you'll find with false teachers is that not only are they lying to you and what they're teaching, there's a lot of hypocrisy. They're calling you to live a life that they don't even live. They're calling upon people to be holier than they are. They're calling upon people to do things that they can't do themselves. 
uh, very common. And, and so you, you end up with a very fake uh, thing where it's like, man, you, you spend some time with them behind closed doors and you're like, oh, I thought they were really like a holy, per but they're not, they're real carnal. Thank you for joining us today on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're so glad you took the time to be here. Pastor Bill is diving into the book of 1 Timothy, a letter Paul wrote to the young pastor with words of wisdom on how to lead. Paul taught Timothy to serve in humility by sharing his own story of salvation. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly and in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. There is no quicker antidote to pride than to look at who you were when Jesus found you. As you guide people to Jesus, remember where you were and be open with your story. The world doesn't need a perfect leader. It needs humble people to lead them to the Savior. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Did you want to hear more from Pastor Bill or listen to today's message again? You can find today's message and many others on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to do some deeper study for yourself, we have a daily Bible reading plan you can join in on with us. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back right here next time for more in the book of 1 Timothy on A Transforming Word. <laughs>